Hi, my name is Craig Wilson, your host for the Making the Media podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. Back at the start of the year, we looked at how the education sector was dealing with the impact of COVID, remote teaching, and the relationship with the industry when we spoke to Gillian Mitchell from Syracuse University in the United States. If you haven't heard it already, then please check that episode out. With the new academic year about to begin, what better time to revisit education once more? This time I'm talking with Tom Rumez, who is a program manager and head of media services at Thomas More University College in Mechelen in Belgium, that country's biggest media college with more than 1,600 media students. We talked about how they try and innovate to stay ahead of trends, preparing students to go into the world of work as the industry cries out for digital natives, encouraging students to read newspapers and watch TV, and what he refers to as transmedia storytelling. Let's hear from Tom now, and I began by asking him to characterise the changes he had seen in recent years about how they teach the next generation of media makers. The most important thing is that the equipment they use, cameras, editing, uh, suites, and so on, and so on, are more are simpler, uh, are easier to use, um, and are getting cheaper. Eh? And that's one thing, so that's the good news. Eh? Uh, the bad news, uh, uh, but it's not really bad, is that uh, nowadays journalists have to do the editing themselves, have to most of the time do the, the, the camera work themselves. Eh? So that's a big difference, let us say, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, then a journalist had a cameraman with him. He had an editor who did the editing and now they have to do it all by themselves. So the training is also getting more uh, extensive because you all have to, do, to, to incorporate that into your education. But it also has some advantages, of course, because a journalist now has the control of their story more and more. In the, in the old days, hopefully you had a good cameraman or you had an editor who, who was really creative. Now Nowadays, you can only blame yourself. So there are some advantages and, and disadvantages. Another one is, of course, the speed. Um, you only have to uh, um, take care of yourself. I mean, you're, you're alone in the car. You're very fast. Uh, you do the camera work, uh, camera work yourself. So those are some uh, big advantages, of course. But has that also changed slightly the nature of people who are perhaps taking the courses because they need to have a bit more of a technical understanding? Yes, in a way it is. Um, and, and most of the time, people are sometimes afraid of that uh, uh, technique. Technique is the necessary evil, as we say. Uh, but once they tried it and they see that the editing, for example, the editing process is not that hard and even after a few weeks is really fun. Eh? Sometimes they find it really fun. Then they see um, the advantages and, and the, uh, the fun part of the technical uh, issue, of course. One really interesting thing that you said there, Tom, was about the, the journalists being more in control um, of, of, of what they're doing. But I guess there's one thing, which is how to press the buttons. There is another thing, which is the language of stories and the language of, of, of editing. So is that part of what you try and teach people about how pictures work together, how stories need to flow as well? I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, that's what I mean by technique is the necessary evil. It sounds very negative, but it, I, I don't uh, mean it like that. Uh, but 
everything starts with a story, with a good story. Eh? Um, storytelling is the most powerful way to put ideas into the world, Robert McKee stated. And, and that is still applicable today. So you can, uh, from a good story, you can make a bad story if your editing or your camera work is not that great. But from a bad story, you can never make a good story with, with good camera work or with good editing. So uh, the story is the, is the centerpiece. And, and Sometimes if it's a very, for example, a big documentary for Netflix, uh, sometimes you have to work with professionals who really are specialized in one thing, for example, a director of, of photography or, or a, a, um, a color grader or something like that. So it's not an, an um, or or story, it's an end and story. So sometimes I work with real uh, easy equipment with my smartphone. Uh, also the editing part on my smartphone. And sometimes I work with, with very big and expensive cameras and, and, and rather uh, elaborate uh, editing suites if I want a certain result. So it's, it's becoming more complex. The other thing I was going to ask around that as well is that, you know, journalists perhaps in the past were focused you know, purely on print or purely on radio or purely on broadcast. We're seeing much more development now around what's classed as story-centric workflows. Is that something that you also kind of see as well, that the journalists need to be able to adapt to these different areas? Yeah, we had we had the trend it was which was called a multimedia. Then we we changed to uh, cross media, and then we changed to transmedia. Eh? And transmedia is how you tell stories, different stories, sorry, different stories on different platforms, and they have a relationship between them. Eh? But I don't believe in in the uh, journalist who does everything on one on one day and eh? make a great television piece, a radio piece, and a print piece, and also an online piece. I don't believe in that. So I think you still have to have a, uh, an area where you are a little bit more uh, adapted to, for example, television. Eh? But nowadays, a television journalist must translate his piece for online or must translate his piece for social or must translate his piece into a, a, a text uh, uh, environment. So we train our journalists within a certain specialty, for example, print, but that print journalist must also move in a uh, cross-media or a transmedia uh, editing uh, or sorry editorial environment. And how important is it for the university to to try to be progressive in that kind of way, rather than waiting for the industry to be telling them this is what we need future you know journalists to do? How, how does the university try to look at trends and then address them? I think that's the most important thing for schools and. Uh, for us, it's 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 the the topic we we care most about. I, I don't think it's in all university or in all university colleges. But what I what I mean is, we have to train the journalist of the future. If we train the journalist how the 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 market works today, and they start working, they're probably outdated already. So we have to even even watch the trends or even uh, um, incorporate the trends before they already uh, are used within, within, the, within the media sector. And it's hard. Eh? We don't succeed in that all the time, uh, but we try to do that. So we are already experimenting with AR, VR, 360 video, with, with, with motion capturing, um, uh, with, with, with big data, with, with artificial intelligence and stuff like that. Not elaborate, eh, but we, we, we want to do that through research eh, and through our curriculum, of course. Because I think the other thing that 
I get a sense from um, speaking to broadcasters now is that they're very, very interested in innovative ways of storytelling. You know, it's not just about, you know, I, I always felt when I worked in news, that news was very kind of formulaic for how you could tell a story. Um, and even if you didn't really know the details of a story, you could figure out, well, this bit of voiceover, then in a clip of interview, this bit of voiceover, then a clip of interview. But I think now, because there are the different platforms, that I think broadcasters are very interested in, in that kind of thing. So how, how do you try and sort of stimulate that within the, within the audience? Because I guess from their perspective, how they're consuming news is different than perhaps, Tom, with the best world in the world, you and I consume news when we were their age. Yes, it's what we call nonlinear consumption of media. So they get their media from different platforms in bits and bytes and in small pieces. So as a, a, a media maker, as a, as a producer, a media producer, you have to understand the rules and the storytelling behind that. And we got we get that from our own experience, but also from our, our peer group, from our students themselves. So um, they give us a lot of input. So uh, how they consume news, we try to uh, really listen to them, give them lots of freedom and, and also freedom to experiment. And the lessons we, we learn from those experiments, we also try to get it into the curriculum. Uh, so the nonlinear storytelling, the, the multi-platform delivery, the multi-platform production is, is, is becoming more and more the standard. And that's also interesting for the, for the uh, people who are hiring our uh, students eh, because they're not looking for a traditional journalist all the time. Eh? They are looking for digital natives and eh? digital natives. But don't exaggerate, not Every 18-year-old is a digital native. Eh? They use their smartphone, of course, uh, to do lots of things. Eh? But uh, if you ask them, do you edit on your smartphone, for example? Eh? Did, you, did you already uh, do a video editing on your smartphone? Uh, the numbers who did that is not that high. Eh? And also, the way they think about that is they do it very uh, intuitive, uh, but they don't necessarily necessarily think thoroughly about the principles behind that. So that's our task to to uh, to analyze their consumption and put it into content or into a course. But do you also try and encourage them to watch more traditional media, to watch TV news or listen to the radio or even you know read a newspaper? Yeah. Is that maybe something that they're not necessarily familiar with? Well that's becoming a, a big problem and it's becoming uh, a bigger problem each year. Eh? What we see is that our students, and I'm exaggerating a little bit, eh? but they don't read traditional newspapers, they don't watch the news, uh, they listen to radio, but somewhere in the background and so on. Eh? And that's not a big issue if you are uh, studying to be a doctor, for example. Eh? But if you're studying to be a media professional, that's a big problem. It's like a, a cook who doesn't uh, uh, taste his own food. So uh, what we do is try to encourage them and, and also get some grading behind it. So they have to uh, uh, um, read the newspaper and then we test them. That's the only way to make sure that they do it. Once they do it again, they find it interesting, they find it fun and so on. But we have to stimulate to the process to start that. And what kind of relationship do you have with, with industry? 
you know, with you know the TV companies that, that exist within within Belgium, the other media organisations. How do you work with them and and try to get? You know, I don't know if you get students to get placements with them or to work closely with them. What kind of relationship do you have? In different ways, of course, and and every university college does that all over the world. I think it's internships. That's that's the, the, the that's the most uh, important thing. I think, but uh, a lot of our teachers, our professors, are people from the industry who still work. And most of the time, full time eh, within the industry as a cameraman, as a as a producer, as a director and so on. And uh, it's not that easy all the time because schedules are, are mixing up and stuff like that. But the benefits you get from it are are um, are rewarding. Eh? Uh, that's one thing. And also when we. Um, are buying equipment or if we are building studios or if we are building editing suites we always uh, uh, search for feedback for people from the industry because we find it very important that we use the tools who, which are also used within the industry I mean, you can you can uh, learn them to to work with with for example a, a small camera but if the industry doesn't work all the time with small cameras, the students, which we trained, have a big problem. So we look at the industry as a as a um, an anchor point to see what they are doing, and we try to uh, uh, duplicate it here into our uh, premises. Yeah, talking about something a little bit different, Tom. Obviously, for everyone, we've we've gone through a pretty extraordinary last you know 15, 16 months um, because of COVID. Uh, so I'm interested in how you um, initially adapted to the, the challenge around you know, remote production. Um, and then maybe once we've talked about that, we'll talk a little bit about how perhaps the lessons of that can then be taken into the, into the future. So, so when, when kind of COVID happened, what was the implications for, your, for you and your students? Well, the first year COVID started in in Belgium around March, something like that. The first year was a disaster because the students were in the middle of a process. For example, video, the video students, the video journalists are were middle of, of the editing process, which uh, they all they all edited on 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 our campus. Uh, we have servers and, and and editing suites and stuff like that. And then from the end of March, something like that, or the middle of March, they had to edit at home. Which was a mix-up. They had to with their hard disk. Everything crashed. Uh, footage got lost, and so on, and so on. Eh? The second year was much better because we already had um, a lot of experience in remote production, eh? uh, and especially uh, within video editing. Eh? Uh, they started remote, eh? and it it went rather smooth. Eh? So. Um, we, we already did that in the past, but not that elaborate. But because of COVID, we went all the way and, and we saw some big advantages. And now probably we will start in September normal eh, with, 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 with uh, classes uh, uh, on the campus. But what we will see is we will, we will still use the remote production because it has lots of advantages. So it will be a mix probably. And do you also think that in some respects, it, it's prepared the journalists better because they've had to have that degree of flexibility. And also, that's the, it, the, the challenges that you have faced were exactly the same challenges that the broadcasters themselves were actually facing through that period. So in some respects, you think, you know, I think there's, there's lots of downsides to COVID, let's not, let's not kid ourselves, but there's actually some benefits that come from the, the adaptation that they had to make through that period. Yeah, definitely. What we see is that the the students we trained over the last year, the 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 
COVID students, you could call them, are much more flexible, much more flexible in thinking, in thinking about solutions, finding solutions. Um, and they are also not that stressed when they face some problems. Um, and, and, and hopefully they will they will use that advantage if they start working in the media sector. So uh, it had some advantages and, and probably that will also linger on the next year because we will probably demand that kind of flex flexibility to, uh, uh, um, in our future students. Has it also meant from an educational perspective that, that perhaps there's a bit more focus from the student's perspective on they have to do more self-learning because they, you know, you, they're, they're not going to be on campus necessarily all the time. You, you mentioned there may be some things that continue on. So what kind of aspects do you mean around that? The self-learning aspect, COVID, probably uh, um, it was more important because of COVID. Eh? But that trend, we saw that already the last five or six years. I mean, when we, when we taught, uh, um, for example, video editing, um, Nowadays, students say, well, you find those kind of courses online so we can we can uh, learn how to uh, work with a certain software program. Huh? Uh, we can learn that by, by, by ourselves and we do that already. And the, the big advantage to that is that you have more time to tackle the, the storytelling part for, for, for video editing, uh, for example. So the, 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 again, the necessary evil of the techniques, how you put something in bold in Word or how you underline something in Word, you have to know that, but it's rather easy and you can learn it by yourself. But how you uh, uh, write a good text, how you uh, lay out or, and so on, those are the, 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 the most important things. And we have more time for that in our classes because of the self-learning aspect. So the, the academic year is, is about to start. You know, I think a lot of people start September, October time. So it's about to, to, to get, going, um, get going again, um, uh, Tom. So what's your main focus as you look towards, you know, this year and going forward on how you continue to develop and bring that kind of innovative approach that you've, we've talked about so far? Well, the, the what we are trying to do is to be innovative eh, and try to incorporate some trends into our system but it it, it i mean you you only have the time of one year and you only have one week you only have five days and you can't uh, uh um, keep students until uh, 11 o'clock at evening and so you have to make some choices and that's the big issue which trend will you uh follow which trend won't you follow because you still have to learn the basics and don't forget the basics um so that's always yeah looking for 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 some new trends and and try to detect which trend will stay and we made some mistakes in the past i mean for example 3d tv uh, a few years ago uh, at ibc everything was 3d tv and now it's 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 dead so so you have to see but what we are looking now is for example a lot of camera tracking and motion capturing uh, that's one trend we are going to uh, fully um, incorporate into our curriculum that's one thing so we equipped our studio with camera trackers and so on so i think virtual production again uh, something that um uh, has become more important because of COVID, eh? but virtual production, virtual studio is uh, the next big thing for us. 
And so when you look at the kind of landscape that exists at the moment, how, how prepared did you think you are for your students when they leave the college and university to then go immediately into the industry? Because I, I always felt that there was always a big step up that had to be made at that point of the theoretical world to the extent of what you do at college or university and then the practical reality. How prepared do you think the students that come through, you know, um, your institution are now to actually make that step into the industry and immediately begin to make a contribution? Well, they are very prepared and they are not prepared. And what I mean by that is we try to prepare them because it's very practical with us. They have to, they have to film, they have to edit and not one piece, but, but, 10 or 20 reports, they, they work in the studio, they make some studio programs also. So we try to make it very practical, uh, but are they fully trained to start working? I don't believe in that. And we will never succeed into that. There's still a part for the media companies to train those journalists on uh, within the company itself. Eh? And um, I think that will stay, but we have to train the journalists or for the media students, of course, um, um, thoroughly. So hopefully they can start working and still uh, have some training there. I'm sure like you, Tom, I mean, I've been in the industry for more than 30 years and I still feel I'm learning. It's the kind of nature of the industry that it is. Yeah. And, you know, we continue to learn as we, um, as we, uh, as we go through. Um, and I think that's an important thing. I think it's important also that, that people have a view that, that learning doesn't just stop when you leave school or university. It's important that it continues on into, into institutions, into the companies that you work in, um, because, you know, hopefully you don't work for a long time. Yeah, the life learning aspect is becoming more important at our university college. What we see, what we are doing now is uh, we are uh, creating courses, not for our students for our 18, 19, and 20 years old, but also for the journalists in the industry. So they come back to our university college and, and, and uh, get some training on new trends. Uh, that's becoming more important. But also they learn from the, 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 just the, 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 the graduated students, our students, because they are more digital native. They uh, follow the new trends. And, and so it's a, it's a combination of, of both things. Well, so a lot of companies, um, don't want or not always want a traditional media maker or a traditional media producer, but they want digital natives um, because they don't have that aspect within their company or not enough. Yeah, it's really, really interesting, um, Tom. So really, really kind of great to talk to you. There is one question I ask everyone on the podcast, so I will ask you, Tom, what is it when you look at the sort of education landscape at the moment, if anything, that keeps you awake at night? Um, whew, good question. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's the new trends. I really like... Uh, um, following new trends for example a, an app like clubhouse i'm i'm always the first one to 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 try new apps or to to try new equipment and i i'm really fond of that eh? and um I'm trying to uh, that love for for trends and technique and equipment and and technology. I'm trying to spread my love to those students and hopefully they will get uh, uh, or they will take th those experience with them when they start working. Excellent stuff from Tom there and lots to digest. Let me know what you think. 
Get in touch on social. I am CraigAW1969 on both Twitter and Instagram. Or email us. Our address is makingthemedia at avid.com. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, please check out the episode with Gillian Mitchell from Syracuse University for more great insights into the world of education. All the details of that are in the show notes, along with information about the Avid Media Campus and Avid Learning Partner Program. Next time on the podcast, we're talking streaming and all things SRT. So make sure to subscribe to get notified when the episode is out. And if you've enjoyed this episode, then please share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks to our producer, Matt Diggs, and thanks to you for listening. Join me next time for more about the background to Making the Media.